Hey, Keto Camper, before we get into today's interview with Pauline Cox, all about the immune system, metabolic health, and the wonderful benefits of collagen, I want to share something with you that I just announced to my email list, and that is I work one-on-one with a handful of clients every year. Uh, a few years ago, I made the decision to focus more on our group coaching, Keto Camp Academy. So every year, I'll take on three new clients to work one-on-one with for my seven-month one-on-one program. I do that at the beginning of the year and a little bit towards the end of the year. I just wrapped up three one-on-one client programs, and I have three spots that just opened up. Only three people at this time I will work with and spend a lot of energy with making sure they achieve optimal, perfect health, exploring all areas of health. It's a seven-month program. It includes extensive lab work, real detox, how to do keto and fast in the right way, but most importantly, it's the process of me teaching these three individuals how to reclaim their health once and for all. So I let my email list know uh, last week that I opened up three spots, and I'm letting you know here on the Keto Camp Podcast We're going through applications. Uh, The application takes about two minutes to complete, maybe less. We are in the process of reviewing these applications. So if you are committed to getting your health back on track and you resonate with me, my personality, my knowledge, my experience, and you would like the opportunity to work with me one-on-one for seven months, then I encourage you to go to the podcast notes down below. It'll take about a minute and a half to two minutes to fill out the form I'm going to review that, and if you get accepted to the next step, we will send out a Zoom, uh, excuse me, a a link to hop on a 20-minute Zoom with me for free to discuss more. So we are in the process of reviewing these applications. Hopefully, you hear this on time. Click the link in the notes down below. Fill it out if this is something that is pulling at your heartstrings. I am looking forward to learning more about you, and hey, maybe even potentially working with you one-on-one. So check that out. All right, let's get into today's interview. Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring on Pauline Cox. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm very much pro-choice and I feel very strongly that individuals need to understand the implications, the risk reward around a vaccine and whether it's right for them. And I'm, I find it perplexing that we have this one situation that's really never been seen before when it comes to a medication or a drug where we're not really looking at informed consent. We're not really looking at the potential risks of taking something. It's just being you're being coerced into a situation that you might not be comfortable with. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. 
Hey, Keto Camper. We have a fun conversation with Pauline Cox. First of all, her accent is awesome. <laughs> You're going to love her accent and her knowledge is even better. Her story of uh, being a physiotherapist and being in the healthcare field and what she did to see the truth and make some changes. She became a science nerd and she is a science nerd and she's going to share her backstory. We're going to get into why she loves teaching the body to become a dual fuel burner. We talk a lot about the benefits of ketosis. I love keto. I think it's a powerful tool, but it's not the only tool in the shed. We don't want to be in ketosis forever, hence KetoFlex and my book, KetoFlex. We want to shift back and forth between mostly burning fat, but also tapping into that glucose sugar burning energy system. Now, when you're stuck as a sugar burner, that's not good. She'll explain that. But you don't want to just avoid that for the rest of your life. That's not sustainable and actually could cause problems. She's going to talk about that. We talk about her book, Primal, which was picked up by a big publisher. And that's going to change so many lives. We talk about that. We talk about the role of ketones with brain health, mood, depression. She talks about the hunger hormone ghrelin and why that is a hormone you train to come out and actually you could retrain it in a short amount of time. She's going to talk about collagen, why she loves collagen, her favorite sources of collagen, how Dr. Terry Walls and the Walls Protocol really made a big difference for her and her work. So you're going to love this conversation. You're going to love Pauline, and we're going to put links for everything mentioned down below, including her website, her social media, etc. Hey, before I bring her on, I just want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. And this is a five-star review from DIB1717 titled, Finally, One Source for Sound and Consistent Advice. There are so many people out there on every form of social media sharing how to do keto, how to do intermittent fasting. The plethora of data and information is not only overwhelming, it can be conflicting and confusing. I finally found my one-stop credible and consistent source, Benazadi of KetoCamp. He collaborates with doctors and experts whom we all know and heard about and boils concepts down so we can learn. He is enthusiastic and genuine. I appreciate Ben and trust his message. Thank you so much. You are so right. The problem we used to have many, many years ago is not enough information. The problem we now have is too much information. So Yes, we bring on a lot of amazing doctors and scientists and coaches, including our guest today, Pauline. And the goal is to get the science to you, but also get it to you in actionable bite-sized nuggets. So I'm glad you appreciate that. Thank you for leaving the rating and review. Hey, if you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or review yet on any podcast platform you listen to, please do so right now. And as a thank you for leaving an honest rating and review, I would like to send you a paperback copy of my best-selling book, Keto Flex, for free. We'll take care of the printing. We'll take care of the shipping. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. All you need to do is leave the show a rating and review, take a screenshot of that rating and review, email that screenshot to support at ketocamp.com, camp with the K, put your shipping address, and we'll get that book out to you because those ratings and reviews help the show grow. Okay, let's get into an awesome conversation with Pauline Cox. Pauline Cox is the co-founder of the Complete Health Clinic in 2004. 
It's a multidisciplinary private health clinic with a vision of creating better access to health care and information. In 2018, Pauline co-founded Sewanero with a mission of creating easy-to-access information on health and well-being, as well as a place to get convenient, healthy food on the go. Sewanero creates high-quality, innovative, nutrient-dense food based on the grain-free, low-carb, ancestral diets. Sewanero also supply high-quality supplements and exceptional products, often locally produced by artisan makers. Pauline has a passion for teaching and runs regular workshops and health programs and speaking engagements to relay the latest news, information, and research in the areas of health and well-being. Primal Living in a Modern World is Pauline's first book, and she has her book Primal, who's actually being recreated with a big publisher. Her website is soanero.com. Here is Pauline Cox. Pauline Cox, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Hi, Ben. Great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, great to connect with you. You're over in the UK. I'm over in Miami. So we're uh, across the pond from each other. And uh, it's cool to, to connect online so we could get this information out to my keto campers, which they're going to love this conversation. So here's where I want to start with you. Your background as a healthcare professional, here in America, we call it sick care. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I imagine it's the same in the UK. But what what changed for you? Because what you're doing today is not traditional healthcare. So what changed for you? And what, what role did Dr. Terry Walls also play in that, that change for you? Well, many, many years ago, I trained as a physical therapist. And I, I just kept seeing the same conditions turning up, inflammatory-based conditions, Ben. And whilst I enjoyed my job, I felt like I was touching the tip of the iceberg. And it was coming across Dr. Terry Wall's work and her MS diagnosis that really inspired me to start looking at nutrition at a much deeper level and the role it plays in driving inflammatory conditions. So it was more out of curiosity at that stage. And then it became a real deep passion for recognizing how we can make such a huge how we can make such huge impacts on our current health, but also our longevity and protecting against chronic disease. Yeah. So you saw that you were not really getting to the cause. You were kind of treating symptoms, which you know we've, we've all done before, and you wanted to make a bigger difference. So Dr. Terry Walls kind of sparked that looking at inflammation. Her story is amazing of uh, overcoming you know, being in a wheelchair, MS. What was the transition like for you as you started to make these changes? I'm sure there was some backlash. People were thought you were probably crazy. Like, What was the transition like for you as you were making these changes? Well, uh, yes, absolutely. It was quite a big transition because having been in a traditional sort of healthcare setting where you you treat a patient, you send them on their way with a few exercises and and give them some lifestyle advice, and and really that's the, that's kind of the depth you go to. Whereas whereas now I really get to understand an individual at a much deeper level from their lifestyle to their diet to their emotional health and well-being and all of the, all of those elements that really influence an individual's health and so from being a physical therapist I, I kind of did a bit of a 360 and went on to do a master's in nutrition and public health and from there stopped practicing in the, the healthcare setting I was actually working in and opened a high street store, which in the US, it would be quite, I would say, fairly common to see a an entirely gluten-free, low-carb, keto specialist high street store. 
in the UK, there was nothing like this. Nothing like this existed. And so it was a real leap of faith. Um, Pretty bold move. It was a really bold move. And people didn't even know what keto was three years ago. People were coming in like, what's keto? And why are you? Why is it gluten-free? You know, it was, it was a, a pretty niche market. But actually, there's been so much education, particularly over the last year or two. People are really starting to understand the benefits of grain-free, low-carb, um, fat for fuel. And so, you know, it's whilst it's still a very lonely high street for a company like ours, because we're we're pretty unique in that sense. A, a lot more people are visiting and making the trip to to find a store that bakes, you know, entirely grain free cakes and quiches and sausage rolls and all of these interesting foods that you can still eat, but they're just made with different ingredients. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool. You you were definitely ahead of the. Uh, of the times there, because in the US, yeah, we do have those all over. But in the UK, that was taking a leap of faith. And it's pretty cool that you did that. Now, from my understanding in the UK, the healthcare, or at least in, in I think England, the healthcare is taken care of, right? In, in your areas, does the government pay for that? Yes, we have the NHS, which is, as you pointed out, it's 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 fantastic if you're requiring emergency medicine, you know, if you need some kind of emergency intervention. But the reality is that that takes up a great deal of the NHS's time and budget. There's not a huge amount of room for preventative or even optimizing healthcare. So I, my focus is very much on optimizing, but also looking at the root cause. And, and this is where my latest um, studies are in integrative medicine. So looking at conventional, looking at, you know, someone who's in in need of certain medications and getting the best out of conventional medical care, but also how we can start to use natural medicines and functional medicine and functional nutrition to optimize that journey and get them back to not just where they were before, but better and optimizing every system in the body. And that's my absolute passion. I love I love it when people exceed their own expectations when it comes to their health and well-being. Mm, yeah, amen to that. And the human body is incredible and it could do incredible things if we do our part. So do you think that the fact that healthcare is taken care of, you know, it's it's you don't have to pay for it like you do in the US. Do you think that is kind of um there's a lot of negatives to it that I can imagine, but one of them do you think is People are not really inspired and motivated to be proactive because they're like, hey, if I get sick, I just get my medication. Do you think that has a negative effect there? I think it it certainly has up until recent times, Ben. I think actually the last two years with COVID and the pandemic has really helped people to recognize that they have a lot more control over their health. They can have an influence over their immune system and the factors that have been really brought to light in terms of who's more vulnerable to getting seriously unwell from something like the COVID virus are factors that they have more control over, like adiposity and blood sugars and insulin resistance and, you know, their lifestyle habits. So I think people are starting to take more interest in health and and be less see the NHS as, as less of a backup system and actually recognize that they have a great deal more control and empowering themselves with information that can see their health thrive as opposed to just catch me at the bottom of the cliff if I fall. 
Yep. Yep. Makes sense. You know, I, I always believe there's a positive for every negative. That's the law of polarity. And I, I interviewed Dr. John Martini a few weeks ago, and he was explaining that. He called it St. COVID for that reason, because although, yes, there's a lot of, you know, sad and depressing and tragic things with COVID, there's also the positives. And one of them is what you just mentioned, Pauline. People are now becoming aware they're taking ownership and they're being more preventative and proactive versus reactive. And you've been seeing that, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, Ben, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, it was challenging for individuals like myself to, I was writing articles. um, I do quite a few articles for the media here in the UK. And I was writing about what we can do to improve our immune function and make it more robust, more reactive when it needs to be. And at the time, there was a lot of skepticism around, you know, things like vitamin D and zinc, the basics, really, that individuals like yourself and myself would be very used to be used to talking about and using in our practice. But, you know, there was a lot of skepticism around supplements and food and and the influence and impact of nutrition. And now it seems to be much more readily accepted and widely accepted in, in the conventional medical community as well, who are actively talking about D3 and zinc. And even, you know, I've even heard conventional medics talking about resveratrol and um, omega-3s and quercetin. So I feel like there's this, this kind of integrative approach is definitely becoming a little more crossed over, if you like. And that's, again, one of the real positives that's come out of this situation is the maybe a more open-minded approach to not a single narrative, but let's look at the best of all approaches and see how we can integrate those approaches. Yeah, well said. And, you know, conversations like this, the articles you write, your work is going to help people become more aware that they are in control. They're in the driver's seat. We're not the victim. And there's a lot of power in our hands. You mentioned several things, right? The amount of fat that you have on your body the amount of high glucose and insulin resistance. These are all factors that will weaken the immune system, including vitamin D. In the UK, uh, you know, you don't get as much sun as I do in Miami, but it doesn't mean you can't get your vitamin D up, right? There's ways to supplement with it. I was looking at a study, Pauline, that showed, it just came out in November. It was a meta-analysis and it was looking at COVID deaths and those and the vitamin D levels of those who died versus those who survived with uh, COVID versus with their vitamin D levels. And it showed that their hypothesis was that if your vitamin D3 levels were 50 or higher, those are US units, your um, chances of dying from COVID were essentially zero. It's like, isn't that what we should be, you know, screaming from headlines? Uh, Well, it is quite incredible, isn't it, when you can see that kind of information coming forward that one of the only certain certainties that we have in terms of reduction of death from COVID is vitamin D status. And it's it's thoroughly fascinating. And when we look at other studies around things like adipose tissue and how we now know COVID really stimulates interleukin-6, so a very Um, an inflammatory cytokine. And it stimulates the adipose cells to produce more interleukin-6. And so we can see this link between body composition and those at risk of more serious inflammatory outcomes and and poorer outcomes from COVID. Insulin has another um, impact, another major impact on COVID and the severity of the outcome from catching COVID. So we're starting to see a bigger picture. 
But again, I feel, and, and you may feel the same being in the US, that there is a real drive for a single narrative around COVID. And it's still quite challenging talking about alternative approaches when it comes to early onset and prevention, or not even prevention of catching Omicron or COVID, but prevention of serious complications. And that comes from empowering ourselves with information and understanding the steps we can take, the steps that actually make a difference, the steps that are science-based and why they work, giving you know important information around the physiology and allowing people to see that this is science-based, this is not a conspiracy theory, this is not fake fringe science, this is science that's steeped in understanding and research based upon the physiology and the pathophysiology of COVID, how it works, how it affects us systemically, and how we can use our understanding of the body's reactions and nutrients that's, that help to interact with those different systems, how we can use that information to improve our outcomes and reduce any severe outcomes from COVID. Yep, well said. Uh, you're right, it is challenging to speak about alternatives, especially on social media with the censorship. But you know that's why our podcast conversations are great because we could get the information out there. But once we start sharing that on YouTube and Instagram, then there could be some problems. So these conversations are great because the podcast is not really getting censored. And then I, I have my uh, Keto Camp Academy and all of my students, we do two group, group coaching calls a month and we get on a Zoom and I'll share all the things that I can't share on social media because there are alternatives and in the US and in the UK and in the world. But in the US specifically, I don't know if you've seen it, but the campaign here to get the shot, whether you want to get it or not, it's fine. But the campaign and the agenda and the reward for getting the shot here is sickening. It's like they're giving away free burgers, free donuts, cash prizes. It's like, that's not the way to go about it. <laughs> it's, it's really sad. They're talking about your health and they're giving you a Krispy Kreme fried donut as a result. Maybe this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what they're doing in the UK, but here it's just a joke. It is. It, there's a great deal of pressure for individuals to be vaccinated in the UK. And I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm very much pro-choice. And I feel very strongly that individuals need to understand the implications, the risk reward around a vaccine and whether it's right for them. And I'm, I find it perplexing that we have this one situation that's really never been seen before when it comes to a medication or a drug where we're not really looking at informed consent. We're not really looking at the potential risks of taking something. It's just being you're being coerced into a situation that you might not be comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. The, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm for choice, you know, making an edu educated decision. And even, even though in the US, you know, we have the constitution, but they're trying to make it very difficult to live your life if you make the choice that they don't want you to make, right? So I'm in Florida and Florida is a little bit more open and receptive to different things, thankfully, but it's not like that the rest of the US. And in the UK, it's not as open as like it is in Florida. I've seen that. Yes. And I think there are countries, for example, Australia and New uh, Zealand Canada. who are yeah. having a very challenging time. I keep saying to colleagues and friends of mine, I think the next 12 months will be very telling, Ben. I think there'll be a lot of truths coming out, a lot more data and research, and we'll be able to get a lot more perspective over the coming 12 months. And there's a lot more people speaking up, scientists who are 
questioning. They're not always being heard because on certain platforms they're being silenced, but they're questioning, you know, and trying to open up a discussion around this single narrative and saying, well, how about we look at, you know, what else we can be doing and alternatives, early treatment, as opposed to just a vaccine that might not have the impact that we were hoping it would have had. Yeah, the next, next 12 months is going to be interesting. Believe me, really there's will. there's so many scientists and doctors and virologists that I, I want to interview on my show. And my my mentor, when I when I say I want to interview this person, he runs it by our lawyer and our lawyer is like, nope. <laughs> it's like, it, it's the crazy time we live in that my you know, a lawyer is telling me not to interview somebody just because of the the risk. You, you know, they're not crazy people. They they're really smart, but then they start to come after people who interview these people. So it's really sad to see. But we could have our conversations, and people could go ahead and make their own decision, do their own research, because we don't want anybody to just believe what we say on these shows. We we want to have them to become aware of what we're talking about, do research, and see their actual truth that's out there. That's the goal. Absolutely, and I think that that sums up exactly how we should be seeing this is it's a choice you know it it's very important that everybody has a choice around their health and what they choose to believe in and some people who may be more vulnerable have compromised immune systems may choose something over a healthy 30 year old male who has a, a great deal of vested interest in his health and you know they're, they're two very different situations so Time will tell what happens over the next 12 months will be, you know, they said that COVID is the big revealer in terms of focusing on the systems where individuals tend to have their weakness. I believe the next 12 months will be the great revealer in terms of how well we've managed this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens and we'll keep the faith and keep doing our part in educating. Hey, Keto Camper, it is time to get your shift together. What do I mean? Sugar Shift is a unique probiotic designed as a working system to convert the sugar's glucose and fructose in your gut to the free radical scavenger mannitol, which also feeds a healthy gut microbiome, supports the mitochondria, and by the way, it increases the production of butyrate, which helps protect the gut lining and is one of the main ketone bodies. You heard of it, beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is one of my favorite formulas. It's an eight-strain formula built as a working system to provide specific gut functions, and it's unique in its probiotic formulation. One of my favorite things about this product is that it breaks down and detoxifies glyphosate. The product also includes strains that has been shown to improve muscle mass and support changes in body mass. I've used it with several of my Keto Camp Academy students, and they have reported to me it's helped them with their sugar cravings. It helped them with their transition from sugar burner to fat burner. Helps to keep them in ketosis and take the results to another level. Helps when they hit a plateau. Improves digestion. In a recent study, BiotaQuest, the company that makes Sugar Shift, showed huge improvements in blood sugar reduction, A1C reduction, also reducing LPS, which is an endotoxin that can create inflammation in your body. If you'd like to get your hands on a bottle of Sugar Shift from BiotaQuest, head to BiotaQuest.com, which is spelled B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T, and then put the coupon code CAMP, K-A-M-P-1-0 at checkout, and also check out their other products as well. We'll drop links down below with the coupon code in the podcast notes.
let's transition the conversation here and talk about uh, low-carb keto. I know you're a big fan of ketosis and uh, how ketones affect brain health, mood, depression. I-, I was doing some research on you getting ready for the episode, and I love the way that you explained dual fuel burners. Break that down. I talk about this a lot. I don't call it that, but what is dual fuel burners and why do we want to tap into both of this? Oh, well, I, I love the whole concept of dual fuel burning because it's essentially kept us alive. You know, ketones have been a- around for as long as we've been around as humans. And it's an ev- evolutionary advantage that we have, this ability to burn two types of fuel. So it protects our body from starvation, from essentially eating our, our muscles and ourselves to death if we're two or three days without food. So I know a, a great deal of your listeners will probably already have a pretty deep understanding of the benefits of fat for fuel. But essentially, dual fuel gives us this ability to to go for long periods of time without food because we're carrying our own food on our bodies like a, a little mobile fridge. Do you call it fridge in America? Refrigerator? Yeah, we call it both, Larder. both of those. Yeah, yeah, fridge or refrigerator. Yeah. yeah, so we're carrying our own little refrigerator of food that we can access at any point, and this keeps our mood really stable. In fact, you know, again, I'm sure you're aware, um, and your listeners will be too, that it gives us this heightened acuity in our senses, almost certainly so that we can be more aware of hunting food and finding food in those times of scarcity. So our bodies are really designed for a world of scarcity. And I've, I've recently read a book, Ben, called Dopamine Nation, which was absolutely fascinating. I've heard about a- it. Oh, it's, it's a fantastic book. And the author in there describes us as cacti. We're these arid plants living in a rainforest. So we're creatures of scarcity and we're very, very good at surviving in conditions of scarcity. And yet we're literally showered with things that stimulate our dopamines, you know, sugar and um, TV and drugs and pornography. So it's a challenging modern world for us as humans to live in because we need to have a real, we need to have control over our genetic requirements, our tendency to just get more and more of more of something as it's lighting up this dopamine system in our brain. So ketones are a, are a fantastic way of helping to create satiety because they stimulate our, our satiety hormones. They also keep our blood sugars really level. They give us a real clarity of thought and clarity of mind. And they're also great for um, lipolysis. So they're great for, for ramping up our fat burning, improving our insulin sensitivity as we're fasting. So I'm a huge fan because I feel like it's a tool that just works really well in the modern climate that we're subject to with this constant deluge of, of sugar and, and smells of foods that are really waking up that caveman gene in our brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a keto deficiency. That's the real problem is it's, we're not tapping into this energy system called the ketogenic energy system. And it's one of the two energy systems we want to tap into. So to your point, it helps you regulate blood sugar. It helps you mobilize fatty acids, turn the brain on. It's, it's one of the greatest things for entrepreneurs now that you, you talked about all the benefits, why don't you want to stay in this this energy system the entire rest of your life? What's the problem with that? Well, I mean, I love the fact that we have a metabolically flexible body. So our brain 
is designed to be able to utilize glucose or ketones. It has a preference for ketones, but you know, we are dual fuel burners because we can, if we have some butternut squash or some sweet potatoes, we'll mop up that glucose and use it immediately. But on the same page, if we, if we don't eat any carbs or we're, you know, we're fasting for two or three days, we will then utilize the fat stored within our body and produce ketones. Now I'm a fan of fasting every day. I fast from 6 p.m. till lunchtime the following day to really use up any glycogen in my liver so that I'm I'm really trying to stimulate my baseline ketones at all times to have this kind of core level of ketones. And the reason I feel this is really important, particularly in our modern era is we have a brain that's becoming increasingly insulin resistant. Alzheimer's is called type 3 diabetes for a reason. As we become more insulin resistant and millions and millions and millions of individuals across the world are already insulin resistant and it's challenging to test for insulin resistance because it's sort of a pre-diabetic state, but blood sugars can be quite normal. It's more insulin that starts to increase and we don't really measure for insulin. So as we get this pre-diabetic kind of insulin resistant brain, we get this hypometabolic state in our brain, which drives this sort of brain fog or this kind of low mood. It can, it can affect our memory. Now, the brain... Glucose and ketones have a different impact on the brain. You have this kind of push-pull effect. And this is described really beautifully in um, Mary Newport's book. I don't know if you've read um, The Miracle of Ketones. It's a fantastic book. I have not, but I I know of her work. Yeah, Yeah, Mary Newport's husband had early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 51. And so she was really interested in studying ketones and how how ketones could be used therapeutically to improve and slow Alzheimer's. And so she describes the situation really beautifully in her book, how we have this on-demand situation with, with glucose in the brain. So as the neurons in the brain become more insulin resistant, the demand for glucose lessens. So you just have this hypometabolic state. So there's less demand on glucose and there's less glucose getting into the neurons. So there's a switching off. There's less of the brain is lit up when we're imaging the brain for glucose um, metabolism. However, ketones are very different. Ketones push themselves into the neurons. So you don't need need a glucose transporter to get into the neurons. You don't need insulin. You just have, if there are ketones in the blood, they get pushed into the neurons. And this is why there's a great deal of very interesting research on Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and these neurodegenerative conditions, conditions of insulin resistance, is seeing an improvement in those conditions when we use ketones, even if it's not used in an entirely ketogenic diet, but we're supplementing MCT, we're supplementing coconut oil, Exogenous ketones and and fasting. Exogenous ketone esters. I mean, they they can work incredibly well for individuals with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So it's using these incredible compounds to waken up the hypermetabolic, this hypermetabolic state in the brain and allow these dormant neurons to, to come alive and start functioning again. And Ben, I think the really concerning thing is we can see these hypometabolic neurons in individuals as young as 20, you know, in their 20s. And and they happen years and years before any kind of clinical symptoms of dementia or Alzheimer's kick in. So we want to be 
looking at how we optimize, firstly, get rid of insulin resistance, but optimize our neurons and our brain function to make sure that the fuel is getting there so that the neurons aren't starting to slowly switch off. Yeah, great explanation right there of what ketones could. And look, that's going to benefit you whether you are at risk for Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or not. It's just going to help your brain function better. So why not be proactive instead of reactive? You broke that down very well. Uh, I I love the explanation of push versus pull with glucose and ketones. Uh, I have a question regarding fasting because I I love fasting too. You mentioned you do it daily. And my audience, uh, most of them practice fasting. Uh, Definitely they do keto, but some people struggle with the hunger. And when we think about hunger, we know it's the hormone ghrelin, which I call a gremlin. I'd love for you to speak about how this hormone is predictable based off of our behavior and how long or can we retrain this? And if we can, how long does it take to retrain this hunger hormone? I think that's a great question. And I think firstly, we must think about hunger in two ways, an emotional hunger and an actual hunger. So an actual hunger, you, as you rightly pointed out, we have ghrelin, which spikes very predictably around when we usually eat. So let's say you're entering the new year and you're thinking, you know what, I quite like to start intermittently fasting up until lunchtime and you're usually eating your breakfast at nine o'clock. So it's very much like the Pavlov response. So you get the bell and the dog salivates. Our body will produce ghrelin very predictably at nine o'clock in anticipation of us having our breakfast. Irrespective of whether we need that food at that time or not, it's producing it because it's been almost trained, preordained to get that spike at those times when we're used to eating. So if you're looking to start to shift that breakfast and eliminate it altogether, it's predicted that ghrelin shifts about 45 minutes every day. So for example, if you usually eat at nine, if you were to eat at 9.45 the next day, that's going to allow your ghrelin just to start to shift over by a 45 minute slot. So rather than just ripping off the plaster and going straight from breakfast at nine to eating at lunchtime, which can be a bit of a challenge for some people, if you gradually start to shift every day, 45 minutes, your window of eating until you just get to your lunchtime, then it's a much easier transition and you're training that ghrelin spike to slowly ease off rather than stopping it altogether um, by just fasting, you can do it that way, but it's it's a bit of an easier transition with the ghrelin. Now, I just want to mention about the emotional eating as well, Ben, because this is a major issue, I believe, for a lot of people. There's a lot of fear around, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of emotional pain and anxiety, and we tend to use food as a comfort. It's something that we're very familiar with, and we get a very familiar feeling from eating. And I believe if we start to embrace discomfort a little more, if we start to embrace emotional pain and face it, in our pursuit of running away from pain, we often experience more pain. And this is why I'm a huge fan of cold water swimming, because it is, it's really about immersing your body in something quite painful, very, very cold water, and recognizing that actually pain can be really beneficial cold water particularly, you get this hormetic effect with immune function and fat burning and whatnot. But actually from an emotional perspective, it helps us to learn that pain isn't always a bad thing. Pain can have a purpose. Emotional pain can have a purpose. Cold water pain can have a purpose. And when it comes to the seesaw of pain and pleasure, 
as we constantly seek that pleasure, it can really skew our pain pleasure seesaw. And we're looking to bring things back into balance again in this in this kind of world of indulgence that we have where we're showered in dopamine, bringing in the reality of facing emotional pain and facing what's driving us to turn to food. If that's, if that's our vice, it could be alcohol, it could be other things, but looking, recognizing, okay, I'm looking for comfort or I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm stressed in this situation. This is why I keep turning to the foods I'm turning to and really assessing whether it's an emotional hunger or a physical hunger. Mm, well said, especially about the, that disciplines transfer. There is a quote that says, or, or saying that says, what you resist persists. So facing it, like J- Joseph Campbell said, the, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek, right? And that's exactly what you're talking about there. So doing something like cold exposure, some sort of hormetic stressor, that discipline will transfer and you can laugh at hunger because that's nothing that it pales in comparison to immersing yourself into a cold body of water is what you're saying. Absolutely. And it stops you negotiating with yourself. And we do that a great deal when it comes to food. Oh, just this once. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have that. It, yeah, justifying it's my it. treat. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when you, when you do something as extreme as cold water immersion, you really get to nail that lizard brain and say, no, I'm in charge. And it, it really creates a strong muscle around non-negotiating with, um, with yourself. That's great. I call it the mental six pack. You build that mental six pack. Oh yeah, I love that. That's terrific. I've seen some of your Instagram posts, uh, immersing yourself in cold water. (laughs) It's fun. Well, you know, I've been doing it for about a year now, Ben. And if someone had said to me, I don't know, 15 months ago, you know, you'll be getting into water 0.5 degrees, which is pretty challenging and swimming for 15 minutes. I would have thought, no, that's crazy because I didn't even like cold showers at that time. But it's an interesting journey when you start doing something that is so mentally challenging. And this is why I would really urge if, if you have listeners out there who are thinking about doing something that you just think is way out of your comfort zone, and obviously make sure it's safe and you're doing it with a friend and all the safety parameters, but do challenge yourself, turn to your fears, turn to the things that scare you the most and embrace them because it is incredibly, it's so great for your growth and providing you with this resilience that you may not know exists within you if you don't give it a go. Great. Yeah. Fear means go. It's green light. Face it. Face face everything and rise or face everything and run. It's your decision. Summer or actually any holiday season is such a wonderful time, isn't it? a chance to take a break from the daily grind and enjoy life to the fullest. However, all the fun aside, we often find ourselves taking a break from our health routine as well. Late nights, irregular eating habits, and indulgence become the norm. But when the vacation season winds down, it's time to get back on track with our health. Although it may not be easy, it's essential for our well-being. I always say, if you treat your health casually, you end up a casualty. If you struggle to return to your health routine, I have a valuable lesson to share. Focus on majors. Prioritizing healthy eating, exercise, and above all, quality sleep. Sleep is foundational. Just one interesting fact about sleep to mention. Drinking more than two servings of alcohol per day for men and more than one serving per day for women can decrease sleep quality by 39.2% 
according to the Sleep Foundation survey, not even mentioning all that indulgent food and late-night effects. And sleep is the key to your body's rejuvenation and repair process. It controls hunger and weight loss hormones, boosts energy levels, and impacts countless other vital functions. A good night of sleep will improve your well-being much more than anything else. Sleep is your major to focus on right now. That's why I recommend you start taking magnesium daily, but not any supplement. Magnesium Breakthrough by Buy Optimizers. That is my go-to. Why? It contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help you fall asleep and stay asleep and wake up refreshed. The sleep benefits are truly remarkable, and once your sleep is optimized, you'll find it much easier to tackle all the major aspects of your health. Trust me, it's a game changer. Head over to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp and use the code ketocamp10 to get 10% off your first bottle. We'll drop a link in the podcast notes. Uh, Let's uh, talk about your book. You have a book called Primal. What is the book about? And kind of give some bullet points why you wrote it and what the reader would uh, expect to learn when they read the book. So I wrote this book about 18 months ago, Ben, when I, I, I'm a big fan of um, one of your US residents, Tony Robbins, and I've Ah. I've been on a number of his courses over the years. He lives in Florida like me. Yes, he does. <laughs> and I just found his work so interesting. Uh, you know, I started on some of his courses maybe 20 years ago now. It was a long wow, time ago. that's cool. Yeah. So one of the earlier adopters and, um, and really appreciated his pursuit of understanding human behavior. And it really helped me. It helped me on my journey. It helped me to manage my state and my mindset. And so I wanted to write a book about my experience, but also written in a way that helps the reader to understand that I understand. I understand this is not a book on science, which is just lecturing or or kind of, it's actually more of a story and a story of them and a story about their body and a story about how the gut works and and how the liver functions and how they interact together. And it's, it's written in quite a creative, playful way because... I wanted to embrace the reader and hold their hand through what I was creating, essentially the story of them. And then at the end, I, I put in a series of um, recipes and things that, you know, action points that they can take. But whilst I'm heavily in the science, you know, I have two bachelors of science, a master's, I'm doing my integrative medicine now. I didn't want it to be all about the science. I wanted it to be something that was very accessible to anyone, you know, someone who had very little understanding of science could read it and it made sense to them. And so that was my sort of purpose behind it was writing something that so anyone off the street could pick up and go, you know what, that makes sense. That's why I struggle. It's not me. It's not that I don't have willpower. It's not that I'm greedy. I'm fighting my physiology. I have genes and a, a caveman inside me that's telling me to do something and it's at odds with the world I live in. So it was just helping people to understand that, you know, don't give yourself a, such a hard time. You're fighting against very powerful systems that aren't congruent with the way we live. Mm, powerful. Uh, I love that. Sounds amazing. Where can you get the book? I was looking on Amazon, but I didn't see it on Amazon. Well, interestingly, this book was a self-publication because I, you know, I at the time COVID had hit and I was 
I just wanted to write this book. And since it's, it's been, it's done so well. I've now, I have a, a major publishing company who are bringing it out. That's yeah, amazing. I know. Congratulations. I'm so, I'm so, I didn't yes. know that. Yes. Yeah, so that, that's, I mean, that's, I guess, when you're very passionate and you you really have a strong message that you want to get out there, enough people read it and like it. And my um, book agent sent it to a few of the major publishers and and there was a few of them interested actually. So we've chosen one that's that has a real global presence. So now we'll be able to get this book into more hands and help more people with it. So uh, amazing. That's what it's all about. Congratulations. That's great. So we have to wait until 2023 is what you're saying. <laughs> Sadly, I mean, we have sent a number of copies across the globe, but um, it'll be much more accessible um, when it comes out in 23. Awesome. We'll bring you back in 2023. And we'll talk all about the book then. Uh, that is amazing. Congratulations. I know that you're also a big fan of, of collagen. I've seen you post about it. I am too, but I, I want to hear from you. Why do you love collagen? Why do you believe it's so important? And what are some of the red flags when looking at collagen sources? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question, Ben, because I think a lot of people think that collagen is just about improving skin and hair and nails, which, you know, hey, that's some of the benefits. But for me, it's much more about really understanding that as individuals age or as their diet's not so great or um, their stress, their gut acidity changes. And that really has an impact on our ability to break down protein and access these essential amino acids. And so you can have a lot of secondary health problems, mental health issues and low mood, or even primary health issues from not getting those amino acids that our body needs, the building blocks for so many you know, structural building blocks, as well as building blocks for making neurotransmitters and various other compounds within the body. So it's one of those very easy, you know, we live in a, in a modern world that can work against us. We also live in a modern world that can work for us. And to me, collagen is one of those for us biohacks. So I've used it for a number of years. I use one of Dave Asprey's products, oh gosh, 10 years ago that I had to buy off Amazon from America because you couldn't get anything like this in the UK at the time. And now we live in a time where there are so many incredible products on the market. And so for me, I, you know, I give it to my kids. I recommend it to anyone of any age. There was some recent research done with gentlemen over the age of 65, possibly 70. And it was about muscle mass and supplementing collagen. And it was really interesting research that these individual, these gentlemen over the age of 65, again, possibly 70, were able to improve their muscle mass and strength over a six-week period supplementing collagen. I think it was about 10 grams a day. Wow. That's a short so amount of time too, six weeks. It is a really short amount of time. Absolutely. But I think it shows that there's that deficit. We're not necessarily getting enough protein. We're not getting enough amino acids. And my theory, and I'm sure there could be others out there who believe the same, is that it's because of our gut being the gateway, obviously, to a great deal of our health. But if we cannot break down the protein, if we can't access those amino acids, we're not going to get, we just don't have a hope of being able to get the building blocks that we need for everything from, you know, our, our skin, hair, nails, bones, particularly bones. And I think women in particular tend to under eat protein. We don't get enough protein so, yes, I'm a big fan of supplementing collagen and particularly high quality. And, you know, again, I keep it simple. I keep it super plain. I'm not one of these 
let's look at getting collagen with vitamin C added and all of these other extras. I like to add it into my coffee or if not, just add it into some dinner, some, you know, into your bolognese or whatever. And look at the benefits. They speak for themselves. You know, people generally see um, the, the finer hairs growing back within six weeks. And I say to them, well, you know, if it's doing that to your your hairline, think about what it could be doing for your gut lining. Think about what it could be doing for your bone strength. And another thing, just nipping back to the COVID situation for a second, we know that the ACE2 levels in the gut are impacted by COVID. So, and the ACE2 in the small intestine is really important for amino acid transfer and particularly tryptophan. So, you know, if someone's had COVID and they're suffering from all sorts of issues that can come from long COVID, ensuring that the gut is in great health, ensuring that your brain is functioning at its best, ensuring that um, your system is as is, is balanced as possible with anti-inflammatory versus inflammatory, so your omega-3 to omega-6 levels. These are all really important factors for long-term recovery. And you know, ensuring that you don't have that sort of ongoing fatigue or gut issues or brain fog or low mood. So again, gut health and optimizing gut health and ensuring the integrity of the gut lining is absolutely key. It's one of the, the foundational elements of health for me. It is. And, and most people have some form of leaky gut. Um, <laughs> so it's only going to, it's only going to help. And chances are somebody listening either is a long hauler with COVID or they know somebody who has long haul symptoms. So you might want to share this episode with them. Uh, talk about the gut, talk about collagen. You know, when it comes to collagen products, you want to make sure high quality, like the brand that you trust that tests for like heavy metals and that's grass fed, you know, the, they do it the right way because now that collagen is getting so popular, you could get cheap collagen, which is not going to get you the benefits we're speaking about here. So make sure you get it from a quality source. And that's what your point was earlier. Absolutely. And you can get different types of collagen as well, Ben, as you know, there's marine collagen, there's your bovine collagen. I'm a huge fan of bone broth. I, I eat plenty of bone broth to get some, you, you will get a different type of collagen from chicken. So it's horses for courses in some ways. I like bovine because it has the type one and type three, but some people who are pescatarian might be looking for an option and you can get again, marine collagen. But just as Ben was saying, it's really important to look for, if you're getting a, a marine collagen, that it's a wild fish, it's not farmed. You want to be ensuring it's the cleanest source of amino acids, just like the meat that you're eating. Quality protein, less but quality, as opposed to more and less quality. And, you know, I say this to a, the people I work with all the time. Keto is not the same. It's not the same across the board. There is a healthy way of doing it. And there is a, a very unhealthy way of doing it. And ultimately, keto or ketosis is just a metabolic state. What we want to be looking at is what we put in our body, the quality of our protein, getting fermented foods in, ensuring our gut is, is really well looked after and the liver. Don't get me started on the liver. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love the liver. I call the the soccer mom organ does so much for us. What what are some things we can do to support the liver? I mean, it's so important with keto because you got to break down the fat with the bile. So what are your favorite your favorite ways to support the liver? Fasting, for sure. You know, giving your liver that time to deplete itself of glycogen. So a 14-hour window, really, ideally. Low sugar, obviously. You know, we really don't want our poor livers being loaded up with fat. So 
my kids are big fruit eaters, but I'm all about the dark berries and minimal sugars and, and fructose and I don't drink anyway. And that's, you know, I'm not saying people out there don't drink. It's just a personal choice. I, I, I don't, I always try to look at what I can do to really optimize my liver. And particularly for us ladies, you know, it's so important to recognize that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying for gentlemen either, but as women enter different phases of their lives, particularly peri perimenopause and menopause, the liver plays an enormous role incredibly important role in hormone balancing. So it will buffer any excess estrogen. But if your liver is dysfunctional and fatty, that doesn't happen. The bile that the liver produces helps to eliminate our bowel movements and allows for that easy passage. And so if our liver, again, is not functioning at its best, we don't produce the bile necessary, we get this lack of bowel movement, and then the excess estrogen is reabsorbed into the body, driving estrogen dominance. So you know, the liver is an incredibly important organ that we want to be looking after at all times. So intermittent fasting is fantastic. Choline rich foods like egg. I love eggs. I could live on eggs, frankly. Um, so having plenty of yolks and egg and choline rich foods. And then I'm a big fan of milk thistle. I supplement fermented milk thistle, which is really, I found incredibly good for bile stimulation. And I know a lot of um, individuals who supplement a really high quality milk thistle, find that their bowel movements really start to improve as well. And then bitters, you know, lemons and lime, just all of the greens, the bitter greens, there's, there's a lot that can be done for from botanicals for the liver function as well to, to stimulate bile mainly. But looking after the liver and really focusing on what's good for my liver health, just reducing toxicity in general, Ben, I'm sure you'd agree that, you know, the more toxins your poor liver has to process, the more of a workload it has. So giving it plenty of things like cruciferous, which really helps with that phase one, phase two detoxification and the supporting, I personally supplement NAC, but it might not be for everyone, glutathione rich foods and also the, the precursors for glutathione, like your selenium and your sulfur and selenium and sulfur rich foods. So um, always thinking about what the liver does and how do I support it to do its job better? Mm, yeah, if there's one organ you want it to support, let it be the liver to your point. It's funny that you mentioned the bitters. I always talk about the bitters. Even on today's, my weekly live stream, I had everybody type in bitter for the liver so they can understand we need more bitters. Like you mentioned, I have this really amazing product. It's called Andrea's Seed Oils, but they make this fresh, like they have this patented process of pressing, cold pressing different uh, herbs and seeds, but they do it with milk thistle. So it's this bottle in a glass bottle, dark of this fresh like milk thistle that I take a tablespoon or it's so fresh, you smell it and you have before a meal, it stimulates bile. It's like incredible. So doing things like that, getting bitters goes a long way. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, when we live in a very inflamed world, and so many people have systemic inflammation, glutathione levels just plummet. So always thinking about how do I support my, so sorry, for those of you listening, glutathione is the body's, it's kind of the major antioxidant. It's a real powerhouse of um, a compound when it comes to how do I want to say this, the, the free radicals that are floating around the body, it helps to capture and, and, and 
deactivate clean them, them up yeah <laughs> clean them go. up deactivate it re reduce yeah. its inflammatory response yep absolutely so uh, glutathione if you think of glutathione as being your kind of body's best friend in terms of doing that um, then we always want to be looking at how we can support the liver in producing glutathione and you know if our liver is struggling and we i think ben the most concerning thing is we don't always know our liver is struggling until it really starts to struggle you know we're like 60 70 percent dysfunctional then you start getting the symptoms and you're like whoa where did that come from so assuming, I say to people, just make the assumption that your liver is struggling a little. Make the assumption that the years of eating the cereals and the breads and the carbs and the years of having, you know, the bottle of wine Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's had an impact. Now it's time to really start focusing on improving the liver's function, supporting the liver, and it will pay you back in dividends. It makes such a big difference to hormones, to blood sugars, to, you know, even body shape. You know, people say to me, wow, my, my waist is coming back again. And it's because this swollen, full liver is really starting to regain its shape again. It's amazing. Love your liver. Work on the liver. The liver is one of the organs that could actually regenerate 100%. I interviewed a gentleman, Clint Ober, who had, I think it was 35 or 40% of his liver remaining. And this was several years ago. And the doctors told him, you know, get your affairs in order. You have X amount of time to live. His liver was shutting down. So he did a whole bunch of grounding and anti-inflammatory work, and he actually regenerated his liver to 100%. He's alive right now. He has a, a, a documentary called Earthing, all about grounding. So the liver could regenerate no matter how much you beat it up, but you got to stop beating it up and support that and love that liver. Yes. I think it takes about three years. To, re you, to regenerate really, it, yeah. Yeah, if you really commit to your liver, commit to your liver. <laughs> You know, give your liver three years of your life and it will it will commit it'll, to you for life. It'll love you forever, yeah. <laughs> I take you liver. <laughs> Marry your liver. That's awesome. Those are some great tips right there. Where can the uh, keto campers check you out? What's your website, your social media, your Instagram is great. So share all that. Um, social media is Pauline J. Cox, P-A-U-L-I-N-E-J-C-O-X. And I have a Facebook group called Healthy Keto Diet and Lifestyle. And the word healthy is there because it's not about weight loss or manipulating macros. It's actually more about what Ben and I have been talking about today. It's very much based on, let's look at health as a, an overall, as opposed to one element of health. Um, my website is So and Arrow, that's S-O-W-A-N-D. A W R O W, so like bow and arrow with an S. And I put lots of blogs and um, courses and interesting content on there. And I have a membership that people can check out on that website too. So that's where you'll find me. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to, we have Rachel on our team. We'll put all that in the podcast notes. So if you're listening, go to the podcast notes and start following Pauline and looking at her website, reading her blog, checking out her membership. And we'll put all that down below. And then stay tuned for her book. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in the UK and all across the world. Thank you for speaking boldly, speaking the truth and helping so many people. And just, you know, looking at what you're doing on social media, it's going to be a fun ride for me to see you far. So thank you for coming on the show. Educating my ben, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. And I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pauline. She is so much fun. Go check her out on our social media. Her website is soanero.com. Her Instagram will drop down below. All of her socials could be found down below. All of the timestamps and everything mentioned could be found down below if you want to go back and revisit something or find something specific 
Rachel on our team puts that together for you. So go check that down below. If this episode was valuable to you, please share it with a friend, copy and paste the link, post it on social media, post it on Instagram and tag me at the Ben Azadi. Please leave the podcast a rating and review and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.